We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by co-host Nick Filato. And today we got a little special show for you, Bruin. In an already recorded interview, we have two-time Giants Super Bowl champion OCU Minora joining the show to talk a little 2020 Giants with us. Let us know if our praise for Patrick Graham is warranted. And then talk a little bit about his playing career with the New York Giants, reminiscing on some great moments, the relationship with Coach Coughlin, little talk about Eli Manning, and a lot more. So we have this special show coming to you. We will not waste your time with any more further ado. So let's jump right into it now. Welcoming in two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowl, and two-time All-Pro defensive end, and Giants Ring of Honor inductee, O.C. Yora to the Big Blue Banter podcast. OC, it was a tough Sunday for Giants faithful, and Nick and I are both just getting through this All-22 Coaches film now. And let me tell you, it's quite a slog. But how are you doing today in hopefully sunny London? Oh, man. London is the opposite of sunny. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay, man. I'm happy to be on here. Um, I'm glad the Giants have started playing a little bit better as of late. So, yeah, I think things are trending in the right direction. OC, we would like to talk a little Giants now with you and Giants in the past. So let's start with the now, as the Giants remain playoff hopefuls and alive in the NFC East division right now. So listeners of our show 
And those who have studied the tape have just about deified first-year defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. And we can't really blame him. Seahawks offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer even told NFL Network that Graham disguised his coverages so well, Seattle had to rely on what Russ was comfortable with rather than trying to decipher his coverages pre-snap. What have you seen from Graham's system and play calling that has impressed you so far? That is exactly it. I think the ability to disguise coverages, which is something a lot of um, defensive coordinators and uh, they, they struggle with because it's difficult to do. Um, everybody has to know their responsibility to a T. And so this takes a lot of discipline, a lot of drilling, and a lot of belief in the system. And this is exactly what he's been able to do. He's been able to manufacture pressure from different areas, different angles. And, you know, you see the Giants starting to pick up in the sack department, but these aren't like um, just straight up, uh, you know, pass rush one-on-one sacks. No, these are covered sacks, most of the ones that I've seen anyway. Uh, because the coverage is holding so strong and so tight um, that the quarterback is having to hold on to the ball for a little bit longer, and this is what's enabling the um, the pass rush to get there. So I think he has done a, a phenomenal job in this first year, and I think the future is bright for this guy as a, as a not only a defense coordinator, but as a head coach one day. Oh, yeah. He will definitely be a head coach one day. Giants fans are hoping it's not too soon, though. Uh, Carl Banks is a good friend of the show, actually, and I've had some conversations with him in the past about this Giants defense, and he's consistently made one point to me, O.C., and it's about how important it is for coaches to be teachers and not just schemers. And kind of recently with Giants defenses, they've been among the league leaders in 20-plus yard plays allowed, communication breakdowns in the back end. So my question for you, O.C., as someone who's played the game, is how much of an impact has coaching had this year on a Giants defense that seems to have made such a big leap without using major draft capital to improve the defense? Massive impact. Massive. And I I think I've always been one to believe that coaching matters so much in this league because talent wise, I I think what you're going to find is a lot of people are are on the same level talent wise. You wouldn't be in the NFL if you didn't have that kind of talent. But knowing how to position your players, knowing how to draw up um, defenses that actually suit your player style of play, knowing how to put people in the right position. This is something that a lot of coaches just don't have the ability to do. Um, you look at this Giants football team, do, do they have the talent on that defensive, uh, even on the offensive side of the ball, do they have the talent that, you know, maybe we've had in years past? Probably not. But um, they play hard, they play well, and they're, they're a very difficult team to just beat. You're not just going to line up against New York Giants and just beat them the way um, you would have in, in the prior seasons that we've had. So I think this is a testament to their coaching. This is a testament to what the coaches do and the position the coaches put them in. Yeah, we are in love with Patrick Graham on this podcast, and we always sing his praises. And the Giants are rolling with a defense that is a bit different from what you ran with Spags and Perry Fuel, at times relying on two interior defensive linemen that are two-gapping, and even handing major snaps to a late-round rookie like Carter Coughlin, who plays edge at about 235 pounds. This unconventional style has allowed them to get major production and snaps from three rookies drafted on day three. Do you think the way they've built this defense gives them an edge in acquiring talent moving forward, similar to the Patriots, in the sense that they'll be searching for unique prospects that don't fit every system, but certainly fit the Giants? I think so. And I think um, if you follow Joe Judge's philosophy and you know the tree that he comes from, then you understand exactly why they do things the way they do. Um, New England Patriots, well, aside from a couple of years where they just had a, a tremendous amount of talent, it has never really been about the talent that they have. It's always been about the scheme and the things that they do and the pieces that they that they find to fit into the scheme that they're trying to run. And I think it's, it's the exact same thing here. 
uh, if you look on paper, if you look at the, the, the defensive players that we have on that football team, you wouldn't think that they would be uh, one of the top defenses in the league. Um, but they are they are that. And I think it's, as always, a credit to what they built down there. And I think the future bodes well for this football team. You can never, never say, oh, I don't want talents. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you want good football players. And I think they're going to find better football players. And that's only going to make the scheme even better than it is right now. Yeah, I'm thinking in watching this 2020 Giants defense and considering everything you just said, O.C., are there specific players that kind of stand out to you as building blocks? And what has impressed you specifically about those players? Well, uh, for me, everything that I've seen is mostly in the secondary. I think what I've seen out of Bradbury, that was that's just a phenomenal, phenomenal what he's been able to do. Ryan also has been phenomenal. Blake Martinez has been phenomenal. I think the play of the secondary and, and some of the linebackers has been outstanding. I think the defensive line, they're doing their job. They're doing what they're being asked to do. They're doing what's required of them. But for me, the standout performance, hands down, has been the secondary. And on top of that, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, because what he's doing with those people, with those players, I, I feel has just been magnificent. Absolutely magnificent, O.C. There was always talk about building a winning culture, and my question for you is how much do late-season culture type of wins carry over to the next season, and is there any real way to quantify when a culture is headed in the right direction or has reached a successful point? Yeah, it's very easy to see. Um, When I look at this team, whether or not they win games or, or not, to me, that's not the issue. Like, for me, they play hard, and... You know, when they were losing games early in the season, it's very, very easy for a team to implode in that situation. But they never did. They fought to the very, very whistle. And they say, like, a lot of times that a team will take on the reflection of of their head coach. Like, we actually became Tom Coughlin as as a team. Like, we were gritty. We never say die. We, We fight to the very end. And you see the exact same thing with this team and Joe Judge. And so I think this is going to carry over well in the future simply because of you know, they're going to take on the personality of Joe Judge, and he has shown that this is what he is, this is what he's about, and as long as he's the head coach, the team is going to play that way, and I think the more talent that they accrue, the better the team is going to be. And that's great. That's music to Giants fans' ears, O.C. And I want to ask you actually a question that I think would be great to get a defensive player's perspective on. So with this Jason Garrett With Jason Garrett as the Giants' offensive coordinator, Giants have run a lot of quick game concepts with curls and stick routes and kind of that kind of spacing routes with the curls. The idea is basically to string together multiple first downs, control the clock, and sometimes it's at the expense of creating chunk yardage plays. But with Kevin Gilbride and that run-and-shoot offense, in a lot of ways it was the opposite of this. So in your mind, which style of offense puts more pressure on the defense? Mm, That is interesting because I hated playing against the style that – Jason Garrett runs, but uh, I, I didn't like playing against that at all. But on the other hand, what Kevin Gilbride did was very, very successful for us. So what he was doing worked. Um, I think we need to give Garrett a little bit more time to see uh, how his offense, you know, progresses because I think he was pretty successful with what he was tra- what he was doing in Dallas. Um, so I think we need to give him a little bit more time here to see if this can actually transpire to and, and start to work well with the Giants. I know Jason. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy, really well-respected. I actually like him quite a bit. Um, so I think we need to give him a little bit more time. What we've seen so far hasn't been that successful in comparison to what Kevin Gilbride was able to do. But I think if we give him a little bit more time, we're going to be able to see the fruits of his labor. 
Yeah, and that's completely fair considering the truncated offseason, the Zoom meetings these guys had to go to to try to install that offense, and the fact that Jones has been hurt. Before we continue with this podcast, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control of payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Due to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different. You could say that again. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Because right now, having a nice ice-cold Pepsi will make your football watching experience that much greater. It will take it to the next level. And sometimes the next level is what you need to unlock a great day. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watchers. So let's talk a little, though, and transition a bit to your playing days, because I know a lot of Giants fans who listen to this pod want to talk about that. So I want to talk about that 2007 Super Bowl year and the famous six-sack game against poor Winston Justice. So this might be every fan's favorite OC moment, and it came just a week after that goal line stand versus Washington to save the Super Bowl season. Is there such thing as a heat check for a pass rusher like you see in the NBA OC? And at what point did you know that Justice just had absolutely no chance of blocking you on an island? Yeah, that's um, that's a difficult one, man. I I don't really that that game was just it, it was really weird in the sense that I didn't really know what was happening when it was happening. Um, there have been games where I got more pressure on the quarterback, more hits, more everything. But that particular game, every time I got to the quarterback, it was a sack. It, it literally the most ridiculous thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Um, so in some respects, I look at it as I got lucky. Because I've been in games where I had a lot more effect than the quarterback, but I just didn't get any sack. Matter of fact, there was a game we played against um, Carolina in the 2006 season where I got to the quarterback 13 times and walked away with zero sacks. And then we go in the 2007 season and I get to the quarterback seven times and six of them were sacks. Um, it's, it's it's just the luck of the draw sometimes. And um, 
uh, I give a lot of credit for that performance to Spags and the things that he was able to do, the walking up of the linebackers to hold the, the running back in place so he couldn't come out to chip me, um, sending the nickel on the other side um, so the line would have to slip uh, slide that way and put me in a one-on-one situation against uh, Winston Justice. Um, a lot of these things are, are the way the, the defensive coordinator schemes things, and I think he did a, a masterful job that day. So I guess playing for Spags was probably a lot of fun for you, O.C.? Uh, it was incredible. It was incredible. Oddly enough, playing for Tim Lewis was a lot of fun for me. Also, I really enjoyed playing for Tim um, as as an individual because of the way he used me and some of the things that he allowed me to do. But playing for Spags and just watching the way his mind worked and, and the things he would do, sometimes he would, he would on, on the sideline, he would just draw up a defense, something that we've never seen, never ran before, but he felt like uh, from what he was seeing, these are the adjustments we need to make, and this is the defense we need to run, and we need to go out there and execute, and it would work. And you see somebody doing things like that, uh, it, it's, it's just amazing. A brilliant defensive mind, brilliant football mind there, O.C. And I wanted to ask you, in the 10 seasons with the Giants, you had 32 forced fumbles. That's nine more than the great Michael Strahan in six less seasons. And you had 10 in 2010, which has only been done by Robert Mathis and Peanut Tillman since the inception of that stat in 1981. Is there an art to the strip sack? And what would you attribute to your success in that area of play? 100%. I think um, for me, you know, when I first got in the league, um, my coach, Mike Waffle, he was like, listen, you get the ball out, that counts as a sack. And to me, I was like, wow, if I get this ball out, not only is it a sack, I also give the uh, the ball to the offense. It's it's a real game-changing play. So a sack to me was a glorified sack of a loss. But when you were able to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands, that was a real game-changing play. And so whenever I got around the quarterback, that was what I was looking to do first. I was looking to knock the ball out of his hand because I felt like that was the best play um, that you could do on defense. And um, I would come around the edge and, you know, the quarterback, they hold the ball, but they're not gripping the ball really, really tightly. So I would swing at his arm from any angle. And out of the corner of your eye, you know, if you have good eye hand-eye coordination, out of the corner of your eyes, you're coming around the corner, you can see his hand. And you can see when he's about to throw the ball. You can see where the ball is. It, it's really, really a split-second decision. And it, it's uh, you have to make that decision right when you come around the corner and um, I made this a, a conscious habit of mine to do that, and I think more people should do that right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's not just that that stood out to me about your game, because when I'm looking at today's game or the modern NFL, really the best edge rushers have one trait that stands out. For Von Miller, it's the edge band. Khalil Mack can convert speed to power with the best of them. But from what I saw from you, the best trait you had, at least in my mind, was just that timing of the snap and using the speed up the arc to defeat that offensive tackle. Can you break down how you came so good at anticipating the snap? Was it preparation, film study, or just a feel for the game? Oh, it was a combination of all of that. I think sometimes you kind of get in the rhythm of when the ball is about to be snapped. You can just, it's like the stillness that you feel in in the in the air right before it snapped there's a lot of noise there's a lot of you know chatter there's a lot of hut hut there's a lot of all of that but then right before the ball is snapped everything kind of goes really really silent and, and and still and you can feel that and you get off and then sometimes um you know after you study you can see like little tells and little things that are happening right before the ball the, the, the ball is snapped but you know, these are things that will take hours uh, to study. Um, little tells that the quarterback might have or the center might have or the offensive tackle might have 
Um, there, there are a, a bunch of different things that that go into that, and um, all all the pass rushes. I'm talking about like the really good ones today. They all study that snap count, man. You see it from a Von Miller, um, Aaron Donald, uh, the guy, even a T.J. Watt. Like when I watch them and I see them getting off the ball like that, I know that they are they are in that flow. Like they. You know, they know when this ball is about to be snapped before everybody else does. And you see that move before everybody else. And to me, I, I love to watch it. Everyone talks about Eli's 11 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio in the 2011 playoff run, and rightfully so. But I don't think enough credit is given to the front four. But let's not forget, during that four game run, OC, you racked up three and a half sacks, seven quarterback hits, a forced fumble, three tackles for a loss. And during the regular season, the defense struggled a little bit. And then, boom, it was a return to those 2007-2008 units during that playoff stretch. Giants fans have long wondered how did it all kind of come together and mesh really well during that playoff stretch. What would you tell them? Health. Um, you know, I think, obviously, I missed the first couple of games of the season. And then, you know, I came back and then Tuck got injured. And then, you know, he, he kind of came back. But I think towards the end of the season, as a defensive line, we were all finally on the football field at the same time together. And when you have that kind of talent, uh, Justin Tuck, Pierre Paul, um, myself, Kiwanuka, Tolleson, like, you know, Canty, all these guys, when you have that kind of talent on the field, healthy at the same time, only bad things are going to happen for the, for, for the offense. And I think um, the, only thing, the only thing that I can point to is the fact that we all got healthy towards the end and we were all on the field for that run. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, Ozzy. And speaking of that run, in both the Super Bowls, the Giants' front four pretty much had their way with arguably the greatest offensive line coach in our perspective in the modern era in New England's Dante Scarnecchia. So my question for you is, was there anything schematically that you guys did with Spags or Fuel to kind of beat that offensive line? Is there a secret sauce that's been kept under the wraps all these years? No, not necessarily. I mean, he is a great offensive line coach. There's no question about that, but he couldn't. He didn't have no pads on. He couldn't come out there and play for him. And so that was our mentality. Um, we felt like we were physically, you know, better than them, and we were going to impose our will on them. And there was nothing he was going to be able to do to, to help them out because we had the better players. Um, I guess the New England Patriots, it, it was just a bad matchup for them. I think they had the advantage over so many people uh, because of the way they play in their scheme. But once they play the Giants, because of what we do well um, and us knowing that if we're going to win the game, it's going to come down to us. We had to impose our will. And so we went into all those games with that mindset. Um, I think a lot of people forget we beat the Patriots earlier in that year too. Like three of the four times we played the Patriots, we beat them. So it wasn't just like a one-off thing. We just, you know, you know, styles make fights as they, as they like to say. And it was just a bad matchup for the New England Patriots. And it was to the benefit of all of us Giants fans. Thank you for that, O.C. Yeah. I wanted to touch a little on your journey to the NFL. Despite racking up 15 sacks, the second most in Division One in 2002, you didn't get a combine invite. And probably the, arguably the biggest combine snub in NFL history. Did you have any idea the Giants were going to grab you in the second round? Or did you have a team in mind that may draft you, like a team that you spent a lot of time with pre-draft? No, I, I didn't. Um, I thought I was going to go on day two, actually. So during the draft, when I was watching, I was at home by myself, just, you know, sitting there. I told all my family that I wasn't going until the next day. And so when they called me, I, I was extremely surprised. I was just laying there in my pajamas. It was, <laughs> it was really strange. Um, 
but I had spent quite a bit of time with, with, with the Giants. Um, you know, the scout had come to see me, and then, it, you know, after I after my pro day, when I put up the numbers that I put up, I had to go see, like, 15 or 16 different teams. So I went on, like, a, you know, a countrywide tour going to visit all the different teams. And the Giants were the last team that, you know, I went to go see. And, um, you know, so I remember all the conversations that I had with them. I remember them giving me that their test. And, um, you know, I remember seeing Denny Morrison at the time, who was the defensive line coach, and, you know, having conversations with him. And I knew he liked me quite a bit, but I never expected I, I was going to go in the second round. I can't even tell you that lie. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was awesome. And every Giants fan is happy they made that call. They would like a few more of those calls on the edge, guys, moving forward. But um, I got a question for you as far as the Giants go. Giants fans are kind of searching for that moment right now when they'll know Daniel Jones is the guy who can get them another Lombardi. And it's fair to say it hasn't happened yet. That's okay. But my question for you is, did you specifically have that moment with Eli Manning? Can you remember one? I think with Eli, the first time I actually noticed that this guy was like the guy, I think it was maybe 2005, we were playing against Denver. And um, it was a game we were losing. And then he just, he brought us back in that game. And I remember thinking, wow, this this is a a really special football player, man. The thing, his composure, um, and then you would just see it time after time after time again, man. He he was a, a really good football player, really smart, really intelligent, and nothing rattled this guy. Um, and so the first time I would say that I actually noticed it had to have been that Denver game back in 2005. And I remember that game vividly, O.C. There was actually a play in that game on third down where O.C. pulled a Russell Wilson and spun out of the pocket. I mean, I'm sorry, where Eli pulled an <laughs> Russell Wilson, spun out of the pocket and hit a comeback route at the sticks to keep that drive alive. It was special. And speaking of the coach at that time, Coach Tom Coughlin, O.C., ran a pretty tight ship, kind of like what we're seeing right now from Coach Joe Judge a little bit. I, I want to ask you, can you talk about your relationship with Coach Coughlin, how it evolved? And if you have a favorite memory that you have with Coach Coughlin? Coughlin was, you know, he, the thing about him is he was himself from beginning to the end. I think there's a lot of talk about how he evolved and how he became looser and how he became like a player's coach. I didn't see any of that, man. <laughs> Coughlin was, he, he was a tough guy. And um, our, my relationship with him was always good because I never really challenged his authority. Um, for him, it was, oh, we want you to be here five minutes early. I was there five minutes early. It wasn't a difficult thing that he was asking me to do. Uh, we want you to practice hard. I, I was accustomed to practicing hard because I came from Troy and we would practice hard in like 90 degree weather. It, it was tough. And so me coming in there, I didn't really understand any, I didn't know any different. And so our relationship was pretty much always good. I never really had a problem with him. I didn't have a problem with his rules. To me, they were really simple to abide by because I respect authority. Um, so his, me and his relationship was good from beginning to end. Um, I saw Coughlin out here, I think it might have been last year, um, either last year or two years ago. He came out here, he was with the Jaguars at the time, and we had a, a great conversation. And um, we, we, we maintain a good relationship to this day. He's a great man. That's awesome to hear, O.C., and we're going to get you out with this one, one last one. It's going to be a little bit of a fun one. Eli Manning has a reputation as a great teammate, but also certainly a silly one. Stories of his pranks have certainly circulated since retirement. Recently, Wayne Gallman mentioned how Eli once crop-dusted him with a fart and just walked away as if nothing happened. Did you ever get got by Eli or watch him prank another teammate firsthand? 
Yeah, I see Eli do some <laughs> some really wild things, man. But I <laughs> I just I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's my place to to call out some of the the, the crazy things I've seen him do. <laughs> but he he he's 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 out there, man. All right, I see. No problem. We totally get it. Thanks so much again for joining us on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Is there anything you wanted to shout out or do you want to let people know where they can find your con- any work you're doing or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I'm out here. I work for the um, the NFL UK in London. So just be on the lookout for all the games out here and some of the things that we do. You can follow me on Twitter. Not, not, nothing other than that. All right, OC. Thanks again so much for joining the podcast and have a great rest of your week. Take care, OC. No worries. Thank you guys, man. It's fun. That was pretty good, Dan. Pretty, 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 pretty good. No, but seriously, that was an awesome time. It was a joy for me and Nick to get an opportunity to interview a player that we grew up loving just from the fan standpoint in us, the fan in us. You know, before I had any dreams of doing this as a profession, and I'm sure the same goes for Nick, I watched the Giants purely as a fan, as some of you guys do. And some of the younger folk who listen to our podcast probably do. And it's a different perspective, I think, as you grow older as a fan. It's a different perspective once you get into this business. And it was just great to reminisce a little bit about his playing days and then talk a little bit and have our, you know, inclinations confirm that, yeah, Patrick Graham really is this guy. Dan, you know how ball don't lie? Well, tape don't lie. (laughs) And we can see that with Patrick Graham because what we see and what he puts on tape is maximizing all these players every week. He has good game plans. Even in this debacle against Arizona, the Giants were really strong at the goal line several times, kept this inept offense in the game. You can't really just sing praises enough about Patrick Graham, and hopefully the Giants get another season with him. I I think they will, but it's not going to be too much longer because this guy's bound to be a head football coach. Yeah, and even as O.C. Humanure himself mentioned, he will be a head coach at some point. We don't think it will come next season, thankfully, but it was interesting to hear him specifically talk about the building blocks in the secondary and talk about how much of an impact the secondary has had on the Giants' success on defense and the disguised coverages that we've seen from Graham throughout the seasons, more specifically James Bradbury, who we know is playing at legitimately all-pro level, but it's really interesting to see how he's done it and hear O.C.'s perspective on that as well. I also had a good time just chatting old Giants football with him. What did you feel about some of his comments? on his playing days and, you know, playing with some of the legendary Giants. I mean, if you would have asked me when I was a kid, hey, you're going to be interviewing Osi Yermanura one day, I'd be like, oh, that's freaking awesome. I got to ask him about the strip sacks. I got to ask him about all the stuff that we kind of brought up. And he's humble, too. He was like, you know, there were times where I could have had huge games, but I didn't. But that six-sack performance, I kind of got a little bit lucky, which I'm not going to say the man got lucky. The guy got six sacks. Winston Justice was sacrificed to the NFC East gods in that freaking (laughs) game. And Osi just went off. I would say one thing that I really liked about the interview too was the last question you asked about Eli Manning. Because Eli Manning, man, he's he's mysterious in the sense that you, you get these interview and he's like, oh yeah, you know, we made a lot of plays. We did a lot of good stuff, made a lot of plays. Says all the right stuff, but you could see there's like this hint of just incredible humor every now and again in the way he talks and a lot of charisma. And it's kind of funny when <laughs> when you hear just like how he was like, there was a lot of wild stuff. Uh, it's not my place to get into <laughs> it, but Eli Manning can be a wild man. Yeah, Eli Manning has a reputation. It had a reputation as a part of here at Ole Miss. If you take a look and peel back some of those stories, there's some interesting things there. Eli, a little bit less reserved behind the scenes, but I thought it was really cool to hear O.C. break down some inside football stuff, talking about how the game plans that he played in under some of these defensive coordinators, such as, you know, them putting 
getting a linebacker in on his side so they couldn't chip him with a tight end or with a back so he could get up the field up mm-hmm. the arc and just convert and destroy Winston Justice it was no offense to Justice it was a life-changing game for him his NFL career was changed from that moment I also thought it was interesting that he mentioned the luck factor because I think it goes into play with a lot of what we said last year about Leonard Williams and just how luck-based sacks are how we shouldn't be putting so much weight into box score stats like sacks and put more importance into stuff like OC was saying you know he went back to a game he had the season before that breakout six sack game where he had more quarterback hits he had more quarterback pressures and he just didn't convert any of them into sacks so it was really cool I also thought it was interesting to hear him give praise to Tim Lewis because as I remember it growing up as a Giants fan the early days of my fanhood when I was that little young Dan Schneier caring way too much about a football team before I knew I was going to do this any in any capacity like I'm doing it now Tim Lewis was among the most hated among hated of hated of hated of Giants coordinators that have ever really coached this team as as far as during my fanhood so it's interesting to hear him give him praise and I think he even said it there he was like he said something like surprisingly or like ironically or something that kind of he gave a little note that listen I know Tim Lewis isn't that exactly valued by the Giants community like I did but I like playing for him credit to Osi for going out there and saying and he also said something about Jason Garrett that was very very positive you could tell that him and Jason Garrett have a really close relationship and he believes in Jason Garrett let's hope that Jason will kind of figure out as the Giants progress through these next three games and into 2021 season if he is retained. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, of course, it was awesome to hear him confirm what we pretty much already knew but love to hear anyway about Steve Spagnuolo, the Giants' legendary defensive coordinator. He really is legendary for, you know, that 2007-2008 defenses that he put together. And it was simply that he can, on the spot, based on what he's seeing, from the offense adjust and come up with a play on that whiteboard (laughs) for the defense based on what he's seeing and have it work and it's just so cool to hear that from a player's perspective that's something we'll never see on the all 22 you know they don't have the overhead shot of defensive coordinators on the sideline drawing things up so it was cool to hear it from an actual player just looking at how the offense would be out schemed so much by steve spagnola in the past it's no surprise whatsoever yeah great great mind right there and patrick graham steve spagnola went on to be a head coach and didn't really necessarily work out, but now he rebounded, and now he won another Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. Patrick Graham, he's uh, he's bound for a similar trajectory. Hopefully, when he does get a head coaching job, it does work out for him, though. Yeah, but I hope that's not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. No, no, no. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining the Big Blue Banter Podcast. If you want to do your part to help us grow this show, please do us a favor and start by doing the simple thing, which is just hit that follow button on your Instagram account for NY Big Blue Bander. We are nearing a 1,000 followers there. We're not that close, but we're going to hit it. We promise. We want it. We're going to get it. And for those of you who have taken the time to already rate and review us and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, and make sure, by the way, you always hit that download button. Take the time for those of you who haven't. For those of you who have, God bless you. We love you. For those of you who haven't, Do us a favor, and I know we're seeing a lot more reviews trickle in now that said we never knew how to do this review or, you know, we don't have iTunes, but we went on just to give you a review. That's awesome because you took that extra time just to help us grow this show, and we really do appreciate that. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.